Hi there and welcome. You're listening to Animals and Us, Voices of a New Paradigm. My name is Avantika and I'm a researcher exploring animal consciousness, environmental sustainability, and planetary health. I want to help bring animal perspectives to the table and transform our relationship with the natural world. And I'm Barbara. I'm an animal communicator and retired veterinarian. My true passion is exploring the hearts and souls of animals and helping people come to a much deeper understanding of who the animals truly are at their core. This podcast is for anyone who loves animals and nature and has an interest in their own personal and spiritual development. We'll bring you powerful conversations with fascinating people about animal and nature sentience, consciousness, and communication. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey of love, respect, understanding, and care for the fellow beings who share our beautiful Mother Earth with us. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Animals and Us, Voices of a New Paradigm. We're so happy to be here today with a very special guest. Please join me in welcoming Akshaya Kavale, a nature and animal communicator, who, after working for many years as a corporate communication coach and consultant, found her way to communicating with animals. And now she's built a thriving and successful career doing consultations and running nature and animal telepathic communication boot camps and workshops, which people from all over the world participate in. She's done a lot of work with rescue organizations and has applied her animal communication skills to probably be a voice for hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of animals throughout her life. I had the pleasure of getting to know Akshaya because I enrolled in her boot camp and in her program. And I just really loved and appreciated her teaching style and how easy she made it for me to get started and build my own confidence in connecting and communicating with animals. She dives so deep into topics like soul contracts and connections, talking about animals who take on and mirror behaviors of their humans. She talks about the death and dying process, even communicating with nature and landscapes and just so much more. I've learned so much from you, Akshaya. Um, she's even communicated with two of my dogs, one of whom is in spirit and crossed over to the other side two years ago. And that conversation was so meaningful. And I learned so much about my relationship with him, my connection with him. So thank you, Akshaya, for being here today and joining us all the way from India. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you. Akshay, it's so delightful to have you here. And I would like to know a little bit about your journey and how you got started with animal communication and the work you do. So I think I have been close to nature and animals right since the beginning, since I was, I, I think, three or four years old. We used to live in a joint family and there were 16 people at home and I was the youngest. My sister was not born then, so I was the youngest. And then in the afternoon when my family used to have their naps and their siesta time, I used to go out and play with the cats outside. 
uh, in my veranda. That's, I think, my earliest memory of actually having conversations with animals because they were my friends. So I would talk to them, I would listen to them, I would share secrets with them. And I remember having full-fledged conversations with them. And for a four-year-old Akshara, there were no inhibitions. So I very happily accepted that as a conversation. It was only later as I grew older where all the societal norms set in and then I used to dismiss those conversations as a pigment of my imagination. It was much later, I think in 2015, when I had taken a year-long sabbatical from my work because I had just recently gotten married, when I came across a beautiful video by another senior communicator, Anna Breitenbach where she was speaking to this beautiful black leopard called Spirit. And that's when I had this nostalgia that, oh my God, my conversations were real and they were not made up. So I got in touch with my mother and my dogs were at my mother's house. And I started talking to them intuitively. And that's where my journey began. Consciously, my journey began there, where I started speaking to my own pets intuitively and I would get validation from my mother. I would call her up and ask, oh, are they sitting here right now? Did they eat this for their meals? Uh, this one is not feeling well, having problem with her stomach, or that one has a slight discomfort in his hind leg, so on and so forth. So that's where my journey began in 2015. And since I used to foster a lot for an NGO that I'm associated with, I also started using this with my foster animals. And I saw such beautiful, positive change in their personality. That's when I realized how important it is to have this dialogue because a lot of times we do things that of course from our end are in the best interests of the animal but we don't realize that they know themselves better than we know, we know them and they understand what they need from us more than what we understand and if we just listen to them we can create better relationships with them and also maybe provide a better life for them as well. So there were times when in my fostering journey, the NGO would tell me, ensure you give uh, this dog this medicine, ensure he eats on time. And the animal would say, just give me 24 hours, don't mess with me for these 24 hours. Absolutely, just leave my food and water by the side. If I want, I'll consume it. If I don't, just leave me be. And when I respected what they asked for, after 24 hours, they would be completely changed personalities. They would let me push tablets in their mouth and, you know, they would come sit on my lap. And these were dogs who were termed aggressive, who would not allow anyone come close to them. So even with my NGO, there was there is still this, this saying that at least once the animal should go to Akshaya's place because their personalities completely change when they go there. <laughs> And I genuinely believe it's nothing that I do. It's just that I listen to them and I give them what they ask for so that I don't have to think too much about anything. And that's how my animal communication journey has started. It has just evolved from 2015 to now. It's just evolving. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting. I would love for everyone in the world, you know, who interacts with animals to really tune into this and, and to understand how transformative it can be when we listen to what they need from us and not go into situations thinking that we have the answers to all the problems, you know? Um, 
And it's so beautiful. It's so nice that you were able to help these animals really probably come into their own personalities and really help them thrive in, in being themselves and, and giving them exactly what they needed. So that's so wonderful. Akshay, tell us a little bit about how you define animal communication. This was a really important part of your boot camp and the your teachings and how you explain to people who want to learn from you what it actually is. Maybe walk us through that a little bit. Sure. So as the term suggests, animal communication is communicating with animals. So we can consider it as any form of communication. Like right now we are engaging in a communication. You are talking to me, I'm talking to you. We are using a certain language and a certain media for it as well, right? We have our laptops, our internet, our headphones, so on, so on and so forth. So animal communication lies under the bigger umbrella of telepathic communication. The language we use to communicate with these animals is the language of telepathy. And we use the term animal communication just to make it easier for us to understand what we are doing. So a lot of people will ask me if animal communication is only for dogs and cats or can you even speak to birds and insects. Uh, to understand it with it better, it is more of intuitive interspecies communication or telepathic communication, which is interspecies communication than just animal communication. And when we speak of interspecies, it effectively means you can speak to absolutely any species. To go a step further, I would even say that it is just nature communication because you can absolutely interact with any element of nature. Be it a stone, be it a tree, be it a plant, be it a landscape, or of course, animals and insects. So um, that is what animal communication is. It is a two-way conversation between us and, and the other being using the language of telepathy. So right now we are using the language English, the English language to speak. When we do it with animals and other elements of nature, we use the language of telepathy. And the media that we use for it are our six senses. So like I said, right now the media we are using is our laptop, camera, internet, the headphones. When we speak in the language of telepathy, the media we use is our six senses, which is the sense of vision, the sense of smell, the sense of hearing, uh, taste, feeling, which can be internal as well as external. So your emotion as well as the actual feeling of being touched. And the sixth sense, which is your gut feeling or intuition. So all these senses put together make them become the media to exchange these messages. So when I speak to an animal, I will usually send messages in these six senses. And when I receive the messages as well, it will be in these six senses. So that is to put animal communication in a nutshell. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm, I'm sure that'll be really helpful for people listening who've never heard this term before or who've never, who might have an idea what it is. And you've just explained it so nicely. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this term of being an animal psychic versus, you know, what you feel you do. And you also talk a lot about how your job as an animal communicator is to be a voice for the animal and that's it. So maybe tell us a little bit about that too. So for me personally, 
when i call myself an animal communicator it's really clear in the name by itself what i do i communicate so i have these two way conversations with animals and other elements of nature and when i say i have two way conversations it is implied that these conversations are mutual uh, there, there is these are mutually consenting conversations so i'm not forcing the animal to talk to me the animal is willingly sharing information with me that the animal chooses to share so an important element of this conversation is definitely the free will as well as the perception of the animal i can't force the animal to share to tell me things about their family or things about things that the animal doesn't wish to share likewise i can't even force the animal to tell me things that the human perceives right so it has to be completely from the point of view of the animal how the animal looks at the world and what is the free will of the animal so when we communicate it has to be a consenting conversation wherein both the communicator the human communicator as well as the other being the animal are consenting to the conversation now when this conversation conversation is a consenting one i as a communicator don't have the right to interpret anything i know the source where the information is coming from and then i have to relay that information to the human in case the human is involved as i receive it i have absolutely no right to add my opinions or make sense of what i receive that's not my job my job is as you rightly said to be the be an honest voice of the animal by which i mean i'm going to honestly share with the human verbalize to the human whatever the animal shares with me telepathically and hence i will personally not call us communicators as psychics uh, because when you do psychic readings large part of those readings depend upon the mediums or the psychics interpretation of what they're sensing in that reading or in that communication that they're having right but in this case i'm not going to interpret i'm just going to receive and convey as is if there is confusion i will go back to the source which is the animal and ask for clarity but i will not put in my own logical sense or my own understanding my own perception i will not sense things here i will just take it as is and relate and that's the difference according to me between a psychic and the ones who do readings as opposed to the ones who do communication let me give you another example i myself am a tarot card reader i've been doing it for the past 12 years now in a tarot card reading i would typically lay out a spread of cards and i can do it for anyone i can do it for barbara i can do it for you with or without your permission it will be unethical for me to do it without your permission but i can still do it and i can still get some information out of those readings this won't happen in the case of animal communication if the animal doesn't wish to share something with me he or she will clearly tell me so that hey this is none of your business don't poke your nose in my business and that's about it that may or may not happen with tarot card reading while it is unethical for me to pull out cards for you i can still do it so that's the major difference between a reading and a communication that's great i'm glad you're so clear about that 
and um, I would like to know, if, uh, you have you have a beautiful book called Animal Communication yes. that I have read and really enjoyed, and it all made sense to me. And you spoke in this book about the power of intention leading to action. Yes. What do you mean by that, and what does it have to do with animal communication? Right. So... We've all heard of the saying, I hope we have, uh, energy follows intention, right? So it effectively means that whatever you intend to do, energy will follow it as far as you've set the intention to do something. Of course, you'll have to back it up with action. For example, if I want to fare well in a certain exam that I'm going to write a couple of months down the line, I can set my intention that I want to pass with flying colors, but if I don't study for it, I will fail <laughs> because I'm not backing my intention with action. So yes, I need to set the intention that I want to score well and then back it up with action of actually studying and then the universe will help me manifest whatever I've intended to do, which is uh, score well in my exams. So everything in the universe is energy based. So if you set your intention and then back it up with action, then the universe will help you achieve whatever you have set your intention for. It will help you manifest it, right? In the context of animal communication, intention is equally important. It helps us create that connection to have a communication with the animal you intend on speaking with. So you simply decide to yourself which animal you wish to speak to and then once you have set the intention you will automatically be able to have a conversation with the animal and if you honestly look at it that's what we all do in everything that we do right for example now that i'm speaking to you i know exactly what i want to say and before before i actually say it i've already gone through it in my head these are not random words coming out of my mouth. They are well thought of words because I've already set an intention to answer the question that Barbara and Avantika have asked me. And whenever I wish to ask you a question, I will run through the question in my mind before I actually verbalize it. It's just that with verbal communication, we are so used to it that it's very involuntary. We don't even realize that we are setting an intention and then speaking. But with animal communication, because it's something so brand new to us, it's new to us when we are doing it consciously. We need to take those few seconds out to set the intention on deciding whom we wish to speak to and then begin the conversation. Yes, it's really important. I think that focus and intention are crucial. You know, as long as you direct your attention to a particular animal or a group of animals or whatever it is, then it's it's like your um, energy lines up with that other being. So that's really important. And I have a question that I think is very important too in animal communication, and, and that is how do you ensure that you don't project your own desires or thoughts or emotions onto the animal when you're receiving messages from them because we have our own our own um, perceptions going on. And it's really important not to assume that it's coming from the animal when it, when it may not be. And, and in alignment with this question, 
what about doing your own personal inner um, work, you know, your own healing, emotional healing work, spiritual work, whatever you want to call it, so that you're not so much projecting your own things onto the animals? How, how do you feel about all that? It's very important to keep our energy clean. And I feel that is not just the case with animal communication that, oh, because I'm communicating with animals, I need to keep my space clean. It is just for our general health and well-being as well, spiritual, emotional, physical, mental. So I think that aspect of things is a mandate for a good life. There is no, There are no two ways about it. Uh, one thing that I regularly like to do as far as my health checkup or energy checkup, so to say, is concerned, is I focus a lot on grounding, grounding work. From my perspective, grounding is anything that will make me be in the moment, that, that will make me feel more mindful and therefore will help me clear the clutter in my head. It may not necessarily stop my mind from thinking about other random things or having random thoughts because our brain is functioned to think. So just the way I won't ask my heart at any time to stop because I want to ground myself or I won't ask my kidneys to stop because I'm grounding myself, I will not request my brain to stop thinking. However, I will focus on things that are more important at the moment, like being in the moment rather than thinking about the uh, random thoughts in my head. For example, in this conversation that three of us are having, I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. And I know that I have some thoughts in my head. I have some thoughts like, oh, I, I hope my audio is clear or that, you know, <laughs> there is no disturbance in my headphones. But at the same time, these thoughts are not disturbing my conversation with you. I'm still focused on what I'm speaking with you because that is what grounding means to me, to be able to focus on what is important and to be able to be in the moment. So I believe that if we find activities that help us ground throughout the day, it helps us keep our energy clean as well and it helps us in our spiritual growth as well. And we see this in animals very often. We'll see a cat stretching beautifully and allowing her to be in that moment and ground herself. We'll see dogs going round and round before they actually go to sleep on the bed. And these are grounding activities for them. So it need not be something that you need, really need to keep time out for you know like people really get freaked out with the idea of oh will I have to meditate for half an hour every day or will I have to you know uh, do this and do that well if you do it great it will help of course if you meditate for half an hour 45 minutes every day it's definitely going to help you but it could be a part of the process you don't need to begin there you can find something that helps you feel in the moment, even for five minutes a day, and then consistently work on yourself and increase that time. So that is one thing that I like doing when it comes to keeping my energy clean. The second question was how to avoid projections. This is something that I think a lot of us struggle with because um, human emotions at the end of the day are here to stay because we are humans and we cannot avoid that. 
so this is also another work in progress you have to be very consciously aware of what you feel about a certain situation and then when you get into the conversation with the animal my way of dealing with my projections are usually a i set an intention that i wish to be a hollow bone and receive unfiltered information authentic information from the animal so i i do set an intention to tell my own energy to be as uh, neutral as possible the second thing i do is if i strongly feel something about a, about the said situation that i need to discuss with the animal i will say it out aloud to the animal beforehand i'll say hey this is my opinion now that i've put it out on the table i'm open to listening to what your opinion is sometimes the animal will share yes even i think the same and yeah both of us feel the same thing sometimes the animal will say yes i i appreciate you sharing your opinion but i respectfully will choose to disagree with it and then share whatever they may feel about it so this one technique of being honest and of being aware of what your opinions or what your projections are can really help keep them at bay and receive authentic information from the animal that's great and i i some people might not know exactly what you mean by the word grounding i know you've alluded to it a lot given us some really helpful ideas about how to be more grounded but can you, can you give a, a brief definition of grounding sure so as the word suggests grounding the word in itself means to be one with nature to be one with your own roots so you ground yourself is to be one with from where you came from which is mother nature so uh, it can be known as earthing for some people it can be rooting themselves as well so just being in the moment without having to worry about the past or the future and being more mindful and aware of that moment that you are in is what i would define as grounding few of the easiest techniques to ground would definitely be walking barefoot on mother nature and when i say mother nature it doesn't mean marbles and cements and tar it means soil and mud and sand so if you have access to that walking bare feet on mother nature will really help us ground other techniques could then be anything that helps you be in the moment one of my favorite techniques to ground is spending time with my animals because when i spend time with them i'm really not thinking about anything else i am completely in the moment i can and all my senses are involved as well i can see them i can feel them i can smell them i can touch them so i'm completely in the moment and that helps me to ground myself as well so grounding for me is going back to my roots and being in the moment it is very similar to the earthing that we talk about when we speak of electricity so for those who want to understand it in the scientific terms right we have earthing where what typically happens is if i am trying to switch on or switch off a certain switch and if uh, there is the earthing is not right there is a possibility that i'll get an electric current a shock but when you uh, do the earthing correctly what happens is all the scattered electricity goes straight into the ground and that's why you don't have those outlets of electricity giving you those electric currents giving you those electric shocks so grounding does just that it 
collects all our scattered energy and pushes it right into the ground, making us completely aligned. Wow. Thank you for that visual. I think um, I'll remember that every time I think about grounding and that's really helpful and, and visual, visually explaining what we're actually doing. And thank you for walking us through your thoughts about intention leading to action and how to keep your own projections aside and how to address those. And I know very much from being one of your students that you talk a lot about practice and that you know, these things may not come naturally to us right away, but it takes time and effort. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you also talk a lot about learning animal communication and, and just connecting with animals at a deeper level as, as if it's like learning a language, right? And just like if you were learning how to speak French or Spanish, you know, you wouldn't you would you can't go to a weekend workshop and just know how to speak the language after that it's going to take a lot of time to immerse yourself in in that world and and really making an effort to to practice and 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 not expecting to be perfect right away maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that too you know having probably taught dozens and hundreds of students in the past what suggestions you have for people so that they set themselves up for success and they have their right expectations as they go into this journey yes sure first and foremost i think it's very important for us to understand that animal communication is an extremely personal practice what works for me may not necessarily work for you and vice versa for example, uh, Barbara and I both are communicators. We have very different styles of communication. We have very different interests as well. While she works largely with the wildlife, my interest lies more in pet animals and companion animals. Or when recently one of my dogs passed away, uh, Barbara uh, told me that she believes in waiting for some time till you know the, after the animal has passed before we connect to them. Well, I'm someone who will talk to the animal before they have passed, while they are passing, after they have passed immediately and continue doing that. And there is no right or wrong about this. Whatever works for you as an individual should be your way of communication. And nothing else should really matter as long as you're respectful, polite and your intentions are all in the right place. As long as you can respect the animal, respect the free will of the animal and you know that your intend the intention of communication is pure, whatever works for you is fine. A lot of people get into animal communication with very different and very high expectations. They feel like as soon as they begin, it's going to be this magical journey that they have probably watched in a Disney film or read in a novel where, you know, birds will start singing to them and roaches will come and help them clean their house and things like that. And that's the kind of expectations they have that when they start to speak, they'll hear a lot of uh, voices. They'll not be able to control the ruckus in their head because everybody is talking to them or that you'll have this clear vision or a clear like voice in their head talking to them as we talk to each other verbally which may happen to some but doesn't happen to everyone. So uh, we need to first understand to set our expectations right, which is not having any expectations at all. <laughs> because unless you do it, you don't know what is your way of doing it. 
right so you can't go ahead uh, in a communication thinking that oh this is how i'll receive this or this is how i want to i want to uh, this this is the experience i want to have and then no matter what experience you are having you will just block it and you will not accept it as a communication and that's when people will come and say i am going blank i don't know i'm not connecting very commonly people will tell me i'm not connecting it's not possible to not connect we are the we are all forms of the same energy and effectively we are always connected that is the reason why you don't have any tangible difference between connection and disconnection all you need to do is you just need to start talking because the connection is already existing so first and foremost we need to remember that it is a personal practice and we need to figure out ways that work for us second thing as you rightly said it's like learning any language and the more you speak in the language the better you get at it your pronunciations your enunciations grammar comprehension gets better only and only with practice so how do you practice you can practice with your own animals at home you can speak to the birds that come to your window you can speak to the insects that may come home you can speak to the stray animals if you have community animals you can speak to them you can speak to trees and plants and when you begin it could just be a one way conversation don't expect to get replies just talk for the for the joy of speaking to them and once you start speaking for the joy of speaking not expecting certain answers or certain experiences that's where you'll start dropping all your inhibitions and your set ideas about how a conversation is supposed to be so uh, very often people ask me how how much should i practice would you tell a child how much to talk when they are young to learn a language you tell a toddler okay every day from 5 am to 6 am you are going to speak <laughs> that's how you are going to learn this language that's how you are going to learn your native language nobody does that the more you speak the better you get at it and i truly believe this is an innate ability we all have we get it from mother nature and as a mother she doesn't differentiate saying i'll give it to babra and aksha i won't give it to avantika or that i'll give it to cats and dogs and i won't give it to humans so as a mother she gives freely and equally it is our upbringing our cultural social background that either enables us to continue speaking in the language that we all know or keeps us away from it from because of the fear of it not fitting into the logical framework of what society has been teaching us all our lives so animal communication honestly avantika i believe is a lot more of unlearning than really learning because once we begin to unlearn what we have learned all our adult lives then and only then will be be able to relearn what is innately given to us by mother nature that was that was really beautiful akshay i love i love how you talked about mother nature giving this gift to all of us and i think you know if we really understood that then i think we'd be able to allow ourselves to tap into this and really connect on a different level with all living beings. Um and you're right a lot of it does have to do with unlearning first and then learning. Yeah, really beautifully said. Thank you. I agree completely after going through um so much many years of schooling and learning about science and medicine and all of that it was years of unlearning. So I I appreciate that you said that. And in your book, I refer to your book again, there was a quote that I loved. 
and you said, in the eyes of the animal, both life and death are beautiful. They don't measure the beauty of life through the number of years they live, but rather the quality of life they live and the purpose they serve. Once that purpose is served, they willingly greet death like an old friend. I thought that was so beautiful. And um, I would love for you to just talk about how the soul leaves the body sometimes just to avoid pain. You had a story in the book about a dog who was lying in the street all the time and he got hit by a car. And can you can you go into that story for a minute? Absolutely, yes. So even the words of the book, a lot of the quotes which are highlighted in the book are things that animals have told me. So it's actually been quoted by the animal and I'm just plagiarizing it as my own <laughs> in the book to be very honest uh, because yeah I mean greeting death like an old friend is not a phrase that I would honestly think of on my own because death is looked at very differently uh, by us and even culturally in my culture also death is not supposed to be spoken about as freely and it is a topic of taboo right because it brings a lot of negative emotions for most people a lot of trauma is attached to it it is only after being able to communicate with animals did I see a very beautiful side of death, which is that they believe it is the part of the process. For us, most of us humans would believe that death is it. It's the end of it all. But for animals, it is a part of the process. Every energy that takes a physical form will have to drop the physical form because it is just a mere vehicle to carry its soul. And when the vehicle has reached its threshold, you will have to change the vehicle. So either you choose to be in the spirit form or you reincarnate into any other physical form. And that's, of course, another topic for, of discussion. But that's how animals look at it. And it was very beautiful for me to realize that, I mean, yes, it makes a lot of sense to think of it that way, right? Because if we have come in a physical form, the body is going to reach its threshold some point of time. Uh, and this, this realization dawned upon me with the story that I have shared in the book about this one community dog that I used to look after. Look after as in just feed him, not really look after, but if he was ever hurt, give him medicines or food basically. Now, this boy was... This, this happened in the year 2018, early 2018, and he was around 12, 13 years old. So he's always been around our vicinity for the past decade and a little more. And I've seen him since he was a puppy and he's, he was a very notorious boy. He would go and jump on people, very friendly, uh, and yet had the ability of scaring people as well. He would poke his nose into people carrying bags to check what is in it. Very sweet little boy. He had this uh, habit of sleeping right in the middle of the street. And uh, fortunately, I live, I live in a locality where people are animal friendly. You can call them animal friendly. So much so that we have four different people feeding all the community animals here. And the animals have a choice of what to eat also. So one day they don't want to eat something, then they'll skip that person's feed and go on to the next person. And for those who are uncomfortable with animals, they will just not be bothered. They will not uh, harm the animals or shoo them away. They'll just stay away. So generally, the animals also in our locality are very happy, friendly animals. 
this boy used to sleep in the middle of the road we have seen people stop their cars get out of the car like give him one friendly whack on his bum to move away don't sleep here you know you'll hurt yourself out of concern and love we've seen them doing that and he's met with several accidents also the one time he met with such a horrible accident that his entire abdomen was split open and it was really difficult to uh, find him in the first place and then uh, treat him and it took very long for him to actually heal from that wound and this was i think way back in 2013 or 14 in 2018 in in the month of december he was sleeping and he was not sleeping in the middle of the street in fact he was sleeping at the corner near the footpath but he was sleeping under the school bus and the driver didn't realize that he is sleeping there and the driver ran over him and that's how he passed away and it was a very gory sight it was absolutely heartbreaking to see him like that and when i spoke to him and this was the time when i had just started taking up communications professionally so even i was a little new to this entire field of communication understanding how things are from the animals perspective and even talking to animals in spirit was a fairly new thing for me so when i spoke to him you know i i asked him why did you do this and you knew like people used to keep telling you this is going to happen why wouldn't you listen now see what has happened and he very calmly and very very calmly told me no matter what happens if i have to get another opportunity to do it all over again i'll do it exactly the same way and just because people thought it was not the right thing to do doesn't change the fact that it was the right thing for me to do and that i wanted to live a life on my terms i came to this locality suddenly which is true he just one fine day appeared from nowhere and i went away suddenly and that's that was my choice and then he went on to tell me that i knew that my time was up i knew that this is the time that i have to leave and because it was my personal choice to not fall sick get really old and then go away this was my chosen way of going and because i knew this was my chosen way of going when the bus actually started i because i knew this is it i dropped my body before i could feel the impact of the accident on me and though you saw a sight which was extremely gory and painful for me the death was very peaceful like i didn't feel anything i didn't even make a sound because i had dropped my body and i had left and listening to that brought a lot of peace to me at least to know that you know he didn't suffer because it was really a horrible accident to see an entire bus going over this one tiny dog was a very bad uh, sight to see another interesting thing he told me was um, i asked him are you happy where we buried you because we found we don't have a lot of burial or cremation grounds and uh, services here in india very uh, the one that we have here is almost 40 kilometers away from my home and it's not possible to take a community animal each time so we just have to find a place where we can dig and just bury the animal there so we found a place in the dumping ground close by and that's where he was buried i asked him uh, are you happy where you are buried are you, did you get a respectful burial he said what what is respectful burial what what do you mean by that <laughs> i don't care what you do with the body <laughs> because i'm not there in that body anymore so i don't care even if you just leave it there on the street and let the body uh, go where it's supposed to go which is back to mother nature so the body served a purpose 
with my soul for as long as it could and after my soul has left i would like the body to serve others as well so if it is someone else coming and eating it or it just decomposing i'm okay with that because that is what the body is supposed to do i don't care what the what the hell is a respectful burial was his question to me <laughs> and i said how do i answer that now i don't know what what to say so i realized that these are all human constructs you know you cremate the humans or you bury them and then you get the ashes and what not just it is just our human construct for them you come from nature and you go back to nature and it doesn't matter once they have left the body what happens to the body wherein us humans will not even donate our organs because we want to go intact even after we are dead <laughs> which is really funny now that i think of it <laughs> this is so great thank you for that i love that and it brings up a question for me that's a concern for a lot of us is when we see a predator killing a prey animal and it looks gruesome and horrendous and all that but what i've learned and i i assume you have the same perception is that many times there's a contract between the predator and the prey and the prey animals knows what's ha- knows what's happening and like you said they drop their body before before all the gore and trauma is that is that your perception too i think you alluded it to it in your book as well it is definitely my learning from my communication with animals uh, because i have spoken to a lot of uh, uh, animals who are bred for consumption so chickens and uh, goats so on and so forth just to understand what they feel about it and what i learned from them is that prey and predator relationship is an extremely important concept in nature uh, it is very important for the balance of energy and uh, if energy can neither be created nor be destroyed and only transfers from one form to the other then for one energy to survive it is essential that some other energy sacrifices right that is why the prey prey and the predator relationship is important and as you also rightly pointed out every interaction that we have in our life will serve a purpose and a contract and animals and other elements of nature at large are extremely driven by their purpose they are so driven that by their purpose that in most cases they actually know what is happening to them and how it associates with the purpose and the contract that they need to serve so in that regard yes when it comes to prey and predator relationship the animals do understand that of course it's not a joyful happy experience for them it's not something they enjoy it's not something that they would walk into so just because a prey knows that i have a contract to serve with the predator that i need to sacrifice my energy for them they won't walk straight into their mouths and say okay kill me now uh, they will fight for their life because that is what they are meant to do but at the end of the day when the whole um, interaction does take place they do understand it and to add to it they also understand that it aligns to the other law of nature which is survival of the fittest so if the predator is stronger than the prey then of course the prey is going to get killed and eaten while if the prey in certain cases is fitter than the predator then the prey will get out of that situation right and 
the predator may not be able to catch a prey for a long time and therefore succumb and die. So uh, it is an important concept in nature. And while again, while they may not necessarily enjoy it, of course, it's not enjoyable, it is painful. Uh, they do understand it, they will not hold grudges against it. And in many cases, like my, with my community animal, they will drop their bodies before uh, they can feel the pain and the suffering. And this concept of detaching ourselves from the pain is not exclusive to elements of nature. It is the same with us. For example, when we are impacted physically with something, in that moment of impact, our brain will not allow us to feel the pain. If we have ever hurt ourselves somewhere, it is usually after a few seconds or after a couple of minutes or sometimes even after a few days that we actually realize that we have a physical injury. And this happens very often to us humans. It's just that with animals, because they are so grounded, because they are in that moment and they are more aware, they are capable of using this skill, this ability more consciously than we can use it. So, for example, there is research done on how women, uh, our brains are programmed to forget or rather focus on the happy feelings of bearing a child and almost forget the magnitude of pain we feel when we deliver a child. And this is the only reason why any woman in her right mind would go in for a second and a third pregnancy. <laughs> because if she remembers what she went through, there is no chance that she would want to put her physical body through it again. And that's how our bodies, our brains are designed, you know, to help us thrive, to help us survive. That's how we evolve as well. That's it's so interesting, Akshaya, because I think like these things happen in nature, whether or not we're aware of them happening, Yes, you know, and it sounds like the animals are so tuned in and very aware, so grounded and very much aware of this process and how things happen. And Absolutely. we as humans with our emotions and, um, you know, our conditioning and other things, we kind of lose track of that or don't know these things. Um, and that's where the animals can come in and, and remind us and help us remember these things. I love how you talked about how aware they are of their purpose, you know, and how driven they are by their purpose. You have this quote in your book, and this may have been co-authored with you and the animals. Um, so we'll give them credit. Um, you wrote the sole contract between the human and the animal will not end until its purpose is met regardless of the time it takes. Yes. Uh, and you talk a lot about about that relationship um, that animals can have with their humans, whether or not their humans are aware of it or not, and that their relationships can go beyond just what we understand and see and really have a lot to do with these contracts we have with each other. So I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit more about and, and especially maybe in terms of companion animals, since our listeners may be able to identify with that more, although all animals will have contracts with us and connections with us, um, even if they're wildlife. Uh, but yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about what soul contracts are. So to put in simple words, soul contracts are contracts or agreements that our souls will, will sign, so to say, agree upon with each other before we come to earth 
in a physical form before we come earthbound. So we need to fulfill these contracts with each other because we have mutually agreed upon teaching something as well as learning something. So there is a reason why the three of us are here together at this time, uh, at this place, discussing this topic because all of us have a purpose and a contract to serve with each other. I have something to learn from you, to gain from you. I have something to provide you as well. Likewise, this extends to every interaction that we have, be it with a living being, non-living, uh, tangible, intangible, animate, inanimate, it doesn't matter. For example, when we speak of tangible and intangible, uh, thoughts, they are quite intangible, right? But they are still forms of energy. So when you have a thought, there is a purpose why that thought exists. And if you look deeper into it, it will help you realize something. So even if it may be a random thought, it will still serve some purpose to us and vice versa. So extending on that, even with our animals, we serve a purpose with the animals. The animals serve a purpose with us. So the purpose is the why, simply put it. Why am I here as Akshaya? Why am I talking to Avantika and Barbara today about this topic? Why do I have a dog named Tango? Why am I going through this with Tango? That is the purpose. Now, how do I fulfill that why becomes the contract. So, I have a dog called Tango. Say my purpose with him is unconditional love. Now, if I want to achieve that purpose of unconditional love, there are probably 10 million ways with which I could achieve that, right? So, one way could be that Tango is the most fuss-free dog you'll find. And that's why I love him so much because he never troubles me. He is so easy. He is loving. He listens to me. He is disciplined. So on and so forth. So, there is unconditional love between us. On the other hand, I could have a dog named Tango who is an absolute terror. He bites everyone. He barks at everyone. He snaps at me even. Um, he doesn't allow me to work. Every time I sit to work, he will keep barking. And he makes my life a living hell. Yet, I choose to love him and I choose not to abandon him. And he chooses to love me and still live with me even though I may be irritating him a lot. So now, the purpose of unconditional love can be fulfilled in these two ways and many other but just stating an example. Now, how we fulfill that purpose of unconditional love is the contract. Whether it is by being the fuss-free, nice dog or whether it is being by an absolute terror of a dog. And that will be written in our contract. And then in the contract, I'm, I'm just simplifying it a lot. But then you, you can see how many things will be added to the contract. So, if my dog is aggressive, then it will bring a lot of other learnings as a part of the contract like patience, learning to let go, learning to lose, uh, be okay with not having control over everything, so on and so forth, right? So, of course, we'll take a lot of time if we have to keep talking about it. But to simply put in, that's how we serve purpose and contract with each other. And a lot of people will come to me and say, Akshaya, who does my animal serve a purpose and a contract with? Whom does my animal serve a purpose and a contract with? And that question is a wrong question, I feel. Because they will serve a purpose and contract with anyone and everyone they interact with. Even that one person they meet in the elevator, if they interact with, there is a purpose and a contract to be served over there. 
a better question to ask is what is the purpose and contract that my animal serves with me my husband my parents my in-laws whatever it is because there is there's no choice if you are interacting with someone then there is a purpose and contract no matter how long or short the interaction is no matter how significant or insignificant the interaction may seem but there is always going to be a purpose and contract to be served so interesting mm-hmm. i love this topic um you did you did the communication with with my dogs and yes. my god there is just so much there that was mind blowing um and so there was so much depth there to understand you know why we came into each other's lives and how what roles we play and what yeah. we're here to teach each other it just it just completely I keep using the word transform because that's really what it does it completely transformed you know how I perceive them and this having this deeper level of understanding of why we're here and how we can support each other it really changes things that you know might in the past have frustrated me or things i was confused by or not understanding you know why i'm not why we're not making progress just even in terms of training and different behavioral things but then to understand that it's it's a part of something much bigger uh really changes everything you know adds a whole new layer of understanding akshay i so appreciate what you said here about these soul contracts and how we might think that if a if an animal is so loving and easy that we've got this special unconditional love uh, contract with them where I know I've had animals that are difficult and sometimes you want to pull your hair out and scream and and give them away or whatever. But there's always, always, if you're patient enough, there's always a lesson to be learned from these animals. And I'm also so happy to see that you come from India and you're so aware of these things and doing such good work. And, and it seems that animal communication is becoming more and more acceptable worldwide. I know you've worked with people from other countries and, and it's just very exciting to me. So, so you've had a number of teachers, different teachers from different countries. Do you find that each person, you've already alluded to this, that you and I have differences, but do you find that each person has their own way of doing things? And do you see that this movement, if I can call it that, is really happening where people are opening up to new possibilities? Definitely, yes. First and foremost, yes, every person will bring a different experience, a different modality a different perception to the same concepts. Concepts are always going to remain the same. You and I can't invent anything new. It's all what I I, I always tell my students, you know, we are middlemen. Your teachers are just middlemen. We learn from nature and then we come and convey it to you. So if you can learn directly from nature, you can actually get rid of the middlemen also. But yes, it does help to have mentors because when I started out, since I was doing it on my own and I was learning first, I did it intuitively and then I learned with other teachers. So in that time when I was doing it intuitively, I didn't have anyone to go to. I didn't know how to clarify my questions. I couldn't afford to not believe what my animal is sharing with me because I didn't have anyone else to validate things for me. So it does help to have a mentor, but 
having said that it also is great if you can learn directly from nature every mentor every communicator will bring something unique something very special to the table and like i said since it's such a personal practice what works for us we should integrate that in our practice and what doesn't we should filter it out without any kind of inhibitions or judgments for example one teacher that i learned with she used to take us through the path of meditation for her you know meditating sitting down for 20 minutes hugging trees sitting down under a tree going into that trance and then connecting was a way of communication and uh, since it was an online class i remember opening my eyes and checking if someone else is going through what i am <laughs> because i'm not able to do what she's asking me to do this doesn't make me a bad student or her a bad teacher she was she's an excellent communicator however her way and my way or our energies do not align in the context of how we wish to communicate for me communication needs to be very casual very easy because only then will i do it as an integral part of my life if i make it a process wherein i need to do this and that and then i need to sit here and it has to be quiet then the likelihood of me wanting to do it reduces drastically because that's just the way i am as a person but i know my own students who will imagine a golden cord coming out of their heart attaching itself to the animal and that's how they have tangibility to the connection that they have established and then through that cord they will talk and exchange messages because that works for them so every person will have a different way of communication every teacher will bring a very different way of communication and i always believe there is nothing right or wrong nature speaks to us in a language that we understand so we just need to pick up what works for us and let go of what doesn't work for us without any judgments just because it doesn't work for us doesn't mean it's a wrong way of doing it it's just not your way of doing it to piggyback on that i know when i first started doing this work there weren't as many teachers there were some and what they were teaching primarily is that um the animals send and receive information through pictures or mm. or images yeah and it just didn't work for me so over a long period of time i had to discover what did work for me which was through my writing and mm. and and later verbalizing what i was hearing but um it was a very personal uh, individual process and and i'm sure that's true for many people absolutely and therefore i think we as teachers should also encourage students learners to experiment and explore what works for them uh, because if we stick to okay this is what you need to do then it i think we can equate it to our education system then <laughs> then you are not recognizing how every person is different with different choices with different backgrounds and with different learning styles and then uh, you keep grading them on the same thing and then one is left behind and the other gets better because the the process or the uh, the way that we are doing it is aligning to one and not aligning to others so there are so many of my students who do things very differently from me and things that don't work for me and yet i'd encourage them to do it and even share it because you never know whom it may align to even later it's very important that we we encourage people to explore their own ways and stick to their comfort zone and not 
push them out of their comfort zones. It's a very common thing to do for people to say, oh, the world is outside your comfort zone. If you stick to your comfort zone, you'll not achieve anything. And I feel that's that's very dangerous. That's very harmful. You get comfortable with something and only then you can take baby steps outside of your comfort zone. You can't just take that leap of faith because if you do that, then you'll never do it again. <laughs> then you'll be like, no, I can't. I don't dare to do this again because it's just not working for me. You know, as as one of your students, Akshaya, I can really vouch for what you've just said in that you were from day one, I think, very clear about that, you know, that this is your space to experiment and try and see what works for you. And over and over again, you reiterated that, you know, even when people came came to you with questions during our coaching calls, you would start by saying, well, this is what worked for me. This is how I addressed it, but it could be different for you. And I, I really, really appreciated that. And, um, you know, you kind of like one of the things I loved about your program is you're talking about comfort zones, but you kind of just threw us out there in, in terms of like, go yeah. get started, you know, and that was actually so helpful because you made me at least realize that, that you know, you don't have to have this entire process where you have to learn the foundation and fundamentals and the theory and you can, you just need to get started and you'll learn along the way. Um, and that you can do it within what's within your comfort zone and within what you already know really well and feel comfortable with. So I'm so grateful. I remember <laughs> even how I came across you and your work was so random, although nothing is really random, but it was on Instagram and something about your your posts, something about it just really resonated with me. And I'm so happy that um, whatever guidance I had, whatever little nudge I had to start following you and then to sign up for your programs. I'm so grateful for that because um, it's true. Different people have different ways of teaching things. And what you taught just really resonated and stuck and you really gave me the confidence to get started. Like I didn't have to do anything special, just, mm. just go get started. So, so thank you for that. So actually after, you know, doing this work yourself through your consultations um, for so many years and also teaching so many people um, for so long, are there any lessons you've learned over the years from the animals that you would like to share or just lessons in, in general that you've learned through this journey that you've been on that you'd like to so share with many, our listeners? So many. Number one is that we are most definitely not the most evolved species we think we are. <laughs> so we need to be a lot more humble about being human. And there is so much to learn from nature and animals around us. Just so much. If we I know it's not completely possible to completely drop our egos because they are an important element of being human. However, if we reduce that and just be open to what nature has to share with us, nature is so open to give. Like it will never uh, hold back. No, no animals, no plants, no trees will say, I don't want to share this with you because of this, this, this reason. Or, you know, I don't want to talk to you because you go against what I believe in. They are so open in sharing and they're so open to learn as well. Like there are so many things that they admire about us as a species that they find fascinating about and they are so curious to know things from us. So uh, 
the number one thing that i have learned i think animal communication and the seven years that i have been doing this consciously has definitely made me a more humble person i realized that the more you know the more you realize how much there is still more to know and then that makes you realize how little you know <laughs> so <laughs> Yes. Actually, you have this quote. Yes. I'd love to share it. You have this quote from your book, the more we practice, the more we understand. The more we understand, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we realize yes. how little we know. That, that is so true. <laughs> right? Uh, and that really, that's yeah. that that has now become my mantra in animal communication. At any time, if I feel too proud of myself, um, I have to remind myself that hello <laughs> go back <laughs> go go back ground yourself or you know sometimes small things like on the group a lot of times my students will appreciate my work or you know they'll be like oh or if i've done a communication with someone they'll start talking about how lovely it was and i actually have to shut myself to that appreciation sometimes to just remind myself to be grounded because that is very important and i won't lie i do i do get carried away it's nice to hear nice things about myself so there is a conscious effort to ground myself because now there is awareness that i'm getting carried away earlier that may not have been the case um so uh, being humble is the number one thing that i've learned Uh, the second thing i've learned which is very important is learning to say no that when you are not ready that when you don't feel aligned to something it's okay to say no if a client reaches out to me at 3 in the morning it's okay to not attend that phone call no matter how urgent the situation it is for the client if i don't feel ready to attend that phone call because if i'm going to do it even after knowing that i'm not re- ready to do it i'm not going to be able to offer what i can otherwise it won't be my best uh my best that i can offer so learning to say no and this i have learned by making mistakes so there have been times where you know i i felt like i'm not aligned to this person's energy and yet i feel compelled that no 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 poor thing needs help and i take that communication and that communication has always gone southward it has always given me sleepless nights because the human is not agreeable with the animal or you know does not like what the animal has said tells me no no you're just scamming my animals are not like that at all and repeated instances like these have taught me that when you don't feel it's right don't do it you can always pass on numbers of other communicators because their energies may align better than what your energies are aligning at this point of of time so learning to say no staying humble and always being open to different experiences because just the way um animals teach us they are also willing to learn and even though they know so much more about the world at large at a conscious level uh they are still willing to listen to us they are still open to hearing what we have to say so i think these three are the most important things that i've learned uh in my journey of speaking to animals and of course goes on said that they are so forgiving compassionate forgive forgiveness compassion love gratitude i'm so grateful for everything that i have that i do mention this to my students also that always acknowledge the fact that you are entitled and privileged to experience animal communication if your basic necessities are not met with 
then it's very difficult to sit and talk about something that is so spiritual and so deep. So uh, the gratitude and the acknowledgement of the fact that I am entitled and I am privileged and I, I have no guilt associated to it, I am grateful for it, is also very important. This is so wonderful. Thank you, Akshaya. Thank you um, for, for being so, um, you're fairly young from my perspective, <laughs> and yet you've got such wisdom and you've used your abilities to a great potential for, for helping animals and helping people uh, understand their animals better. And I just see it as a tremendous blessing, the work that you're doing and, and, and the knowledge you've gained from what, from what work you are doing. And um, I so resonate with what you said about saying no, because it's really hard for those of us who love animals so much and want to help people and all that. And sometimes I've found that I'm just not in the right space to do something. And it's very hard to say no, but you have to honor yourself first. Yes. So I appreciate that. And the thing that sticks in my mind the most, this is crazy, when you were talking about people first learning to communicate with animals and you said that they expect these little twerping birds and roaches cleaning up their house and all of that. And I think about all these Disney characters yes. and these days, these days they make talking animals, you know, they, they move yeah, their mouths yeah. and all this stuff. So we have these crazy expectations of who the animals are and what they want to share. And it's so much more than that. So I really, really appreciate your perspective on all these things. Thank you. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, Akshay, I really appreciate, I'll, I'll share a little bit more with you about how great you are. I know you, you're trying to stay humble, but you, I think it's important to hear this, that you have this way of articulating these really abstract concepts and in just such an easy way and simplifying them in a way that I think it was such a pleasure for me to hear about these concepts in your program because you had this way of breaking things down and teaching about these concepts in a really matter of fact way. Um, and you know, I think we have, <laughs> we could talk for hours about so many things. We've just scratched yeah. the surface today and I always enjoy our conversations and there's, you know, I, I realize every time that there's just so much to talk about. So we'll have to have you on here again for sure to delve into oh, many of the to. other topics and just wanted mm -hmm. and just just again wanted to thank you for really explaining things so articulately to our listeners and to us and sharing sharing your perceptions on all these thank different you. topics thank so, you so much and you. just to add a little bit to what you said i think keeping it simple is the most important thing because the more you complicate things the harder it gets to do anything so begin at the basic, whatever you understand of it, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to anybody else. As long as it makes sense to you, just go ahead and do it. A lot of people refrain from connecting with nature around them because they feel, uh, what will people say? How can I go hug, hug a tree? When I feel like it, I still won't do it because what will people say? Or, you know, how can I talk to an insect? What will people say? 
forget about people they will say something either way whether you speak to them or not you can just keep it simple and start somewhere a lot of people have these issues with starting out so i would really like our listeners to just start doesn't matter where you begin as long as you begin and then you will always go ahead right there's no no way for you to come back you will always move ahead so just keep it simple and start and that's how you'll experience everything that we are speaking of because i'm sure to a lot of listeners this may sound a little abstract as well so once they do it they'll actually experience everything mm-hmm. that we have spoken about yeah absolutely and actually on that note akshay why don't you tell our listeners where they can where they can find you if they're interested in in learning more from you because i know you share a lot in your um i follow you on instagram and you share a lot of interesting things in there and insights and tips and ways to connect so yeah tell tell people how sure. they can find so you so i have my website www.animalcommunication.in and all my social media handles are listed on the website but otherwise you can also find me on instagram facebook and youtube i'm everywhere at animal communication by akshaya so if you just look for animal communication by akshaya you'll find me on facebook instagram and youtube there are a lot of videos i have over 300 200 videos on youtube small bite sized videos of couple of minutes helping those who wish to start this journey but are not still sure of investing in a course or a book can always reach out to my videos and start your journey there and of course you can find animal communication by akshaya the book on amazon as well thank you akshaya and thank you to all our listeners for joining us on today's episode of animals and us voices of a new paradigm to view show notes for the for today's episode you can visit animalsandus.podcast.com you can also find us by that name on instagram and facebook And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right away when they're released. And if you've enjoyed our podcast, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on your podcast app. And before we go today, we'd like to share a short blessing for the animals. We'd like to end this podcast by taking just a moment to be quiet. And we give thanks and blessings to these amazing animals that we share our lives with. they give us so much and ask for so little in return we hope that you can keep the animals and all living beings in your heart and in your mind as you go about your day thank you so much for being here with us today